Welcome to the Soccer Doctors Podcast with Dr. Andy Harper and Dr. Craig Duncan. Well, welcome to episode two of Soccer Doctors. Craig Duncan joining me, Andy Harper, and Dr. Stephen Stefano Georgiakis from the University of Sydney. And so episode one, we basically tried to set some sort of framework foundation for understanding where sport came from and very quick recap um, sport was institutionalized um, by British imperial powers to make moral people develop moral people develop healthy people develop compliant people develop organized people um, you can interpret that thereafter however you want develop them for a military machine to build the empire and defend the empire or build them for economic purposes to fit into the industrialized economies, working in factories, doing what your boss told you, blah, blah, blah. Um, or maybe through all this was, was the moral aspect and the philosophical aspect of building the whole person. So that's how we sort of started. And um, key to this was, and where we'll start pick up today, key to this was this, Tom Brown School Days book. And we'll be- link that book in the show notes. That's yeah, what we'll do it. Yeah, well, it's, it, that. it's yeah. still, mate, it's still such a pivotal book and it's still easy to get any bookshop you can get it. And people Tom, are interested Tom, should read Tom it. Brown School Days, um, downloaded straight from the net. Yeah. It, it, yeah, it really does give you an understanding of the sorts of thinking by educators at the time, Thomas Arnold, on how he was organising his kids at rugby. And the the, the bare fact of it was this became such a popular model that it went like wildfire through those schools, including the nascent schools in Australia. The point is we're still sort of, and the university is still dealing with that sort of stuff. So the start point today is um, um, where we're at with sport and the things we're wrestling with and, and in some senses, the decline of sport in some of our institutions. Is it a case that you have to take the whole of the rugby school muscular Christianity sport model, take it or leave it, or can you have bits of it? Because, you know, there are other bits of that, as we sort of alluded to, which, have, which frighten the heck out of people, understandably so. You know, the bullying. Bullying. I'm yeah. not blaming the rugby school in England for this, but institutionalised child abuse, hazing, fagging, was a big news story at St John's College out of Sydney University. It's a massive issue in American universities. This whole, in um, um, not indoctrination. That's part of it. What, what's um, the negative culture? Negative culture. Of, of, Initiation of ceremony. It's bad behaviour. All that sort of yeah. stuff. Now, this was so deeply entwined in that book. Um, and and that then sport and those other elements have been taken and, and promulgated over 150 years. Are we so horrified with with that sort of behaviour now as a society that, that means we're leaving sport alone as well? Or can we separate the two? Look, I think you either take it in its correct form or you don't take it at all. Um, the idea that you can adopt parts of this ethos becomes very problematic because if you adopt parts of it and the parts that we've adopted are, are the 
specialization parts, the, the parts where we just look at the elite level athletes, uh, the elite level sport, and, and forget the people at the bottom who may not be as abled, um, they've been marginalized out of it. And, and they're the people who leave school or, or leave community sport and say, you know what, that was a real shitty experience that, you know, don't ever get me to take my shirt off in front of um, yeah, my peers. That's a great, that is a really great point. Yeah. You know, so you either make it educational um, and, and less competition. You hear this all the time. I mean, Tom Brown and, and the classical Greeks, the competition was not against all the different clubs. And competition didn't mean Sydney FC poaching the best players and that's why they won. In fact, that was the antithesis of what sport was about because it wasn't about tables first to 11th. It was about growing as an individual, as a school, and ultimately as a um, community. Why do people hate, why do kids drop out of sport or why do they, why do they reflect on it? Uh, you know, when it's a negative experience, it's the competition that they don't like. Hmm. Can you unwind it though? I mean, the classic points you're talking about now, the Olympic Games, um, maybe it was the last few Olympiads, which had a medal table. Now, in my childhood, never did the television broadcasters mm. have a graphic that had the top 10 meddling countries. This is a modern phenomenon. But is it, it, is it just inevitable that sport takes you there because it's a competitive exercise in essence, even if the reason you're doing it isn't to establish a, a, a competitive um, separation, but you're doing it to be because your you even like I've been involved where there hasn't been a table, but the parents create a table. Yeah. So they know. So so where do we go with that? As as our whole focus of what we're trying to do with sport. My my concern, it seems, I think you're right. It's this elite, and then we think that our grassroots sport has a relationship with that, with that elite sport, or that is the ultimate goal to be an elite uh, professional sport person. Look, I'm fascinated by, you know, our discussions with um, you talking about being a part of the, the Socceroos. And uh, I must admit, I'm really captivated by, you know, the, the expertise and, and, mm. and all of that amazing stuff that goes into it. But to get to that elite level, you, you've got to have a big bottom there. You've got to have a group of individuals who, who, who love the playing of sport. I, you know, I wish I could go back in time and still not play competitive sport, but still play sport. But it becomes very competitive early that uh, I was getting cortisone injections from the age of 13 and I was in a rush to play first grade, to play for Australia. And But where's that come from? Is that going to happen anyway? It, it, it's going to happen and we need to have a society which excels at the elite level, but we also need to have a society there where everybody to a certain age anyway participates, has a good experience. Mm. Everyone I know who has left the surf lifesaving movement ends up hating the organisation. Mm. That too has now become very um, right. commercialised and very driven by results. So you want people 
having a pathway to success to, to deal with people like you, Craig, and, uh, you know, and you can open up their eyes to, to, you know, elite performance, but you also want people playing and participating and not dropping out because they didn't make a certain particular elite team. I think there's been some things that have horrified me. And I also had a hiatus from football and I, I did come back in it. Um, and one of the first things that I was doing, I was going to the gradings or whatever they call them for the, the, the Premier League sites. And Harps and I were chatting the other day where when we played, we grew up on, on the North Shore. Our representative team was Karingai at the time. It's now called Northern Tigers. If we didn't make that team, that was it. We didn't make that team. We went back and played community um, football, which was enjoyable. I think maybe sometimes more enjoyable and it was a good level. Um, and there was those divisions of that. Mum and dad weren't going to take us somewhere else to another district to try and make the team. And I remember going to this grading and it was, was just a traumatic experience for the children that they all get roped into this. They don't make the team. You know, and then what happens is they're packed in the car to race off to another trial. Mm. Oh, I, I think it's a, it borders on some form of uh, psychological what's, abuse. What's the answer though? Because, you know, we obviously grew up together and I was the one of the seven of us from our Karingai team. Who really who, went on. No, 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 no. Forget that. Who didn't make the state team. The, the yes. other six of you did. Yes. So I'm the kid driving away, licking my wounds. I don't remember being that upset actually, but it might be a repressed memory. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But, you know, our Karingai team had six state players yeah. and I wasn't one of them. Yeah. I could never get picked in any. I couldn't get picked in the local school zone team. Yes. I don't know how I made the Karingai team. Yeah. Anyway, um, what is the it's answer? It's because though? you couldn't stretch. I mean, we're talking. I mean, that's, you know that's my memories of him you know football being a robust oh, player, but he's I, stretching. I, I feel so. I'm watching my son who's <laughs> into sport, I think, thankfully. Um and he's worse than me. He's going to be taller than me too. It's quite wow. remarkable. But but so what, what is, I don't know what the balance is because I, I, what we must not be is these people who look in the rear vision mirror of our own life and think, oh, geez, it was great back then. 100%. Maybe it wasn't. I don't know. All I know is I still, all the things Steve introduced us to in the last podcast, which, which mm. I've become more familiar with, with his supervision of my PhD, is that... Um, I can separate the two. We started this little chat by, do you have to take the whole of the Tom Brown yeah. school days thing or can you take parts of it? I very easily can separate the two. I've never, because I'm public school educated, um, I've never been involved in any of that boarding school hierarchy of fagging and hazing and initiations. It's horrifying to me yeah. to believe that that is, not only goes on, but has been perpetrated by the so-called elite and and enlightened in our society as, you know, these are, let's face it, these are church officials who've adopted this model to subjugate people under the, under the pretense that it's God-ordained. I mean, it's horrifying, this stuff. Mm. I can actually very easily separate the nastiness of the Tom Brown schoolboys story with the sporting aspect of it, and that's what I hang on to. I, but we need to come... To, we need to. Uh, I agree. Do we, I mean, does I it still mean anything, though? I mean, Sport. everything that's still. Yes. Well, what well, are we fighting for here? I happen to believe it. 
I believe that sport has given me great experiences. Yeah. It's kept me healthy. It's given me good habits. It's created a, a, a life for me because I've engaged with the commercial side of sport. Um, but it, at its very origin, I subscribe most certainly to the things we all agree with. But does that make it... Can I ask you I that, like it, does that mean it's still real? Would you have still been that if you hadn't been a professional player? Well, who knows? Yeah, who knows? Like... Like, I think what we're, we're looking at here is if we go back to what Steve was talking about in respect to the ancients and, and all that regard, it was about being physically healthy mind, healthy body. So how there is, if we just look at sport from that perspective, that's what's going to give us. Mm. We would all be in agreement that there is no doubt that's a win-win situation. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I, I, I'm just thinking about whilst you're talking and having mm. asked that question of me, I think a large part, if not all, my identity is on sport and the effects of sport. It's what I talk about. It's what I encourage people to do to the extent that I still exercise now is mm. purely for health reasons. I mean, if, and just have a look at me. It's not for aesthetic reasons, right? Um, so I, I'm totally engaged with all that sort of stuff. And that's why it gets back to my point. That's why I, I still believe in that athleticism philosophy, that games playing ethos. I'd never heard it called that mm. until I was part of Steve's uh, watching him present it and putting a framework around it. And the lights went off for me, right? The light, I thought, yes, that's that's why I've loved it. But that doesn't mean it's right. I don't know, unless you guys subscribe to the same thing still. Well, I do. I just I just think it is. I, I think the, the problem is this elite issue. Yeah, but if there, wasn't, if there wasn't an elite, it, it's right, interesting. you wouldn't have half the, half the career you've had. I wouldn't be I, sitting I'm, here. I'm, let me say I'm, I'm not against the elite because, yes, you're exactly right. I've had, had a career out of elite sport. My issue is kids playing sport thinking, when did it come that people started thinking that was a legitimate uh, pathway to become an elite athlete as an income that's what concerns me. And it concerns me that we've got all these kids where we had a dream maybe of yeah, playing true. and enjoying it and money, being, you're right. yeah, you're having right. a dream. But I never thought that being a professional athlete was going to be my career. Hmm. And I, I still subscribe pretty much because we hear a lot about development. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, This whole, we've got to develop... I think we're develop the player or develop the human. Mm. Maybe we need to uh, address that, but about this development, they need to be on this pathway to get to here. But do they? Mm. Can't, isn't the cream always going to rise to the top? Mm. Yeah, look, we, we, I grew up with the elite athletes and um, some, some people, and I, I won't mention their names, but they were, they were very driven. I mean, they were driven from their parents. The parents were the, you know, in many ways, the ugly parent syndrome yep. that they, you know, abused their kids in many ways, uh, um, which my father never did. But a lot of the success that these players had were obviously related to their experiences with their fathers, believe it or not, which I always found a little interesting. But the idea was that you aim for something because you wanted to get there because it was something that was an aspiration aspirational never you know I never played soccer I mean I wanted to play for Australia and I wanted to go to a world cup and I wanted fame I don't know 
but you never actually set out to make money to say, you know what, I'm going to do this, you know, this because I'm going to make a career out of this mm. and make money. No, but Craig, very simply, in answer to your question, because we all would say that when I was when I was role playing as a teenager and as a child in the garage, throwing the tennis ball up against the wall and heading at the FA Cup final yeah. winning yeah. goal, I wasn't thinking about a Bentley and no. a Rolex watch and four apartments to invest in. I was I was imagining Trevor Brooking putting the ball on my head yeah. and scoring at the Amberlynn ground. That was it. Uh, of course, my level of attainment fell way short of that. But the yeah. point is, that's what fueled me. Very, the answer, mate, short circuit. Globalisation is what has changed everything from a parent to child thing with sport. Because how many times I've heard you say it, and I've heard people say it in my line of work myself, that's my superannuation. Yeah. People referring to their siblings as their super, literally, yeah. unashamedly. I've had parents say that to me. Wow. That's and, my superannuation. And, and, and that, so that ugly parent has gone from... So know, what we haven't managed as a society, and sp sport is, is, is feeling the, the, the assault because of this, we haven't learned to manage the amount of, well, we said this here in that chat, the amount of money that's washing around. Cash money at the moment costs you nothing. Yeah. Interest rates cost you nothing. The whole deregulation of the financial markets 20, 30 years ago have flooded economies with money. And so whereas to your story, Craig, if we didn't make the Karingai team, you went and played back in the club system, this is where memories might get hazy because you say, that would have been for, we don't know, we weren't there. We don't know what the club scene was like no. because we were playing in the rep team. So we might have left behind a, 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 something that was falling apart anyway. So yeah. that might be a rose-coloured view. Well, well it's not park. because we do know that the, you know, the, the students that are playing sport for their schools are also the students that are playing sport in the community. Mm. So you have a percentage of the population. Yeah. You know, luckily enough, my um, sons and daughters that are doing that um, but there's a group that aren't doing anything in the schools, yeah. nothing in the schools, nothing, nothing. and doing nothing in the community. Nothing at all. So that's a new phenomenon in our society. This is it, it, exactly. And so what does that lead to? I mean, it leads to a health crisis. A, an absolute health crisis, like a, you know, an absolute health crisis. That's the, that's the number one reason why we should still be pushing sport at the, uh, the at, um, at this particular... Um, it wasn't good for your health. No, no, You were no. getting cortisone injections as a 13-year-old. Well, How's that healthy? Well, it's funny because it's been two and a half years since I probably should have got a knee replacement. Um, and uh, I, I was reflecting on this a couple of days ago, thinking I would have preferred not to have played in any representative teams and keep on playing soccer Social. into my 40s yeah. like a few of my friends still do. Yeah. And, and keep those mm. educational, social and mm. physiological benefits that, you know, sit here, uh, you know, obese at the moment, not having been able to exercise and get very angry about some of the choices that I made in my life. Mm. Mm. Um, and there are more choices. And, and this, is, this is getting to the crux of it. Because there's so much money floating around, because our parents couldn't pack us in the car and take us, because we had... Back in our day, um, although I know our parents both worked, but that wasn't completely common. It was still very common where we lived for there to be a homemaker. Most of the time it was a mum yep. and a dad. But there wasn't money washing around then. We weren't poor. 
No. We didn't play in bare feet. We didn't want for anything. But it's different. There wasn't money washing around. There wasn't free credit. There wasn't free cash. There wasn't, we can buy another flat screen television and just bung it on the mortgage because it'll be paid for in the capital growth of our house. All this sort of, all this, you know. It was a one mortgage, wasn't it? It was, it was I got this mortgage. Very simple. 40 years, I paid pay it off. Well, everything has changed now. Mm-hmm. And people's lifestyles have changed. So if one door closes... You go and try another one. So there's not a commitment to anything in particular. You just bob around until you can find something. And the mentality is, uh, I don't think it's a friend of mine thing, but almost in the deep recesses, is if this one doesn't work, I'll flip to something else and I'll make a buck there, right? And and everyone's trying to make a buck. And then you've got teenagers instead of playing sport who now have to pay for their own mobile phone. I mean, this we didn't have to, we didn't need a mobile phone, let alone pay for one. So now you've got 16 year olds instead of playing sport on the weekend, and they're not playing at school, like we said before, kids are very cynical. They sign up for snorkeling classes rather than play an organised game or something. I don't know if snorkeling was in the ancient Greek games philosophy, but I don't no, think so. No, they were swimmers. So not yeah. snorkeling, though. Yeah. <laughs> Harpy's got a thing about snorkeling. No, I don't. I love Harpy's it. Way, I, yeah. I love it. I love it. But it's, kids get cynical, and it starts early. You know, if you're not going to value sport, in primary schools, by the time you get to high school and the maturation process and independence movements of kids makes them think differently anyway, but you've already started to, to wash away the basis of why we do sport. And, you know, 16 year olds now, their first option on a Saturday is to get a job at McDonald's or Bunning. Yes. So they can buy data for their phone so that they can connect with people and play video games and not get healthy. We, we had orientation um, at the university this week and, um, you know, some of the students attended the university and, you know, I made it quite clear to them that these should be the best years of your life. You'll yep. be working mm. for the rest of exactly. your life, you know. It doesn't matter if you don't end up going to Bali for, you know, for a couple of weeks or, mm. or taking selfies, you know, on a Kentucky tour of, of, of Europe, you know. Mm. Um, you know, go and enjoy life, you know, join some clubs, join some of the many university sporting clubs, um, engage with people. But this whole specialisation thing is a massive, massive problem in our beloved sport of soccer. You know, the, the academies are, you know what, I'm, I'm happy to pay for my son to be involved in sport, but um, I can afford it, maybe, Um I can explain to my son that this is unusual, you know, being part of an academy, um, but it just sends the the wrong message. The complete what is wrong. The, what is the what's it responding to though? Part of me gets a bit defensive of the academy movement, and I won't, and I'll tell you why if you're interested. But what, why, why is this happening? Why do we need academies? And it's not all. It's it's not all because the everyone signing up for one of these academies honestly thinks they're a red-hot chance of playing for AC Milan. Look, they are. A lot of parents are. I think they are. All of them. (laughs) I think they are. Really? (laughs) I think they're about the parent going, okay, I want to give my son or daughter the best best. shot possible. Mm. Like private schooling? Yep, they've got a better, better, um, you know, they've shown some promise. If I put them in this, then they can get to that. And maybe it's got a lot to do with the parent's identity. Yeah that my son plays here they were in an academy but now they're in an npl side and they're and then their identity becomes connected to that 
I actually think it is hard. It's quite bizarre that I've been dealing with um, parents and, and guardians, of course, who are very university educators, leaders in their own profession, somehow get caught up into the, not so much the con job, but the individual con job that, you know what, my son's not very good, but somehow I think that he may get a contract overseas and play professional soccer well, surely that's at be. age five. Like the, yeah. there must be zero correlation. Like I, I, I could ask somebody. In but it a, can't be zero because some five-year-olds do end up being professionals. So it can't be a zero correlation. Well, it's got to be close to zero. I it mean, there's very few Maradonas and, you know, mm. you know, research tells us actually the complete opposite. Mm. Um, I reflect on the Australian under-16 team that I was a part of, you know, and uh, this was a team that made the quarterfinals of the under-17 World Cup, but very few of the players kicked on. No, no I get that. I get mm -hmm. that. Do, do, do you, uh, there's got to be some people, I think there are, indulging these academies because they go down to their local park and they sign up for their local club. And rightly or wrongly, they just think, well, my kid's not going to be a superstar but that's just really disorganized i think this is one of the problems of of sport and it gets back to steve's point um which got me thinking about the neoliberal um idea to use a pay system if you want to do sport you do it in the community it's not the state's role here was me thinking it was a leftist agenda to 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 get conservative institutions like sport which is We'll talk about this in time, a very, very conservative institution. Um, and so against that, the leftist agenda would react and, and greatly. But it's the neoliberals who've actually said, that's not our space. The government is not going to, we've seen it now with the same-sex marriage thing, you know, we're not going to tell people, you, you, although on that one, they did want to tell people how they had to live, right? But generally... There's been this vacation from school, vacated, this vacuum created. Um, and so school is not organised in sport. But sport's not organised in schools the way it might be and certainly the way it should. So no, people... I, I disagree with you. There are certain schools, certain systems still have the ethos uh, and we're well, not going to go into them and types of schools or geographical areas. Um, I spent quite a bit of time in uh, around Wagga there and, you know, the institution of sport in in the Wagga schools and the community. Government schools? Government schools is, um, you know, very pro-sport. You'll, mm. you'll walk past a sign of Karingal Primary School and will say, congratulations, Andy Harper, for making the, mm. you know, state cross-country team. Yeah, good. Like it, it, it's, well, that's it, not... It still goes on in pockets. Ad hoc. It, de it depends on the school executive. If you get a principal who believes in the game's philosophy, then you've got a chance. If you don't, you've got no chance. But we've got a curriculum. Well, you know... That they can just fob off. Well, they do it. But, you know, they go out and throw a few beanbags yeah. around the place. Actually, an interesting that my, my kids grew up obviously very sporty, but their, their worst day at school was sport day. Mm. And I remember my son coming home and going, Dad, how was... You know, me saying to him, you know, how was sport, mate? And he said, terrible. Yeah. We sat there two metres away with a beanbag throwing it in a circle. And half the kids couldn't do it. Well, that's the New South Wales Premier's Challenge, which, yeah, know, which is like a fantastic, you know, mandated compulsory um, 
type of organ um, activity that all kids should do. But sport itself is not a magic bullet. No. Uh, it's other things associated with it, the delivery, the qualifications and the expertise of the teacher or quote uh, coach, the facilities, the the provisions that senior management of a school or a local community put into sport exactly. as well. Exactly. So the idea that sport's good, yeah, of course it's good, but but yeah, it's got to be meaningful. Yeah. You've got to you've got to engage people in it. You know, you you were both athletes. I was an athlete. Give me sport all the time, and yeah. we love it. But there are other people. No, you're right. That, you're right, and that's exactly the point about where academies came from. So, so in my long-winded way, I was saying if schools have retreated from that territory, um, um, certainly in the government, apart from ad hoc situations, but we've retreated from it as a community. The volunteers are no longer there. That you know, exactly. That we don't so have this community spirit of you know the. I'm, you know, yeah. Haberfield, you know, community where volunteers go down and they give their time and they cut the oranges and, you know, now everything is about, um, you know, what can, you know, other people do for my son yeah. or daughter. Yeah. It's and gone. The, the community spirit Totally. And that's why some people who want to have some sort of organised sport for their kids will pay the extra with academies. That's the point I'm making in defence of academies. I don't think everyone's got. But should they stars be? Should, should they be football academies or should they be sport academies? Well, whatever. They should just be. Oh, like we've something. lost the ability. What we have lost the ability because uh, of a pile of reasons is for kids just to go outside and play games together. You know, I was talking with someone from the University of Sydney just last week. Uh, I live in the country in New South Wales, three hours out of Sydney, and we were talking about all this stuff again because. Surprise, surprise, this is what we're into. Um, and, and he said, I have to concede that I've got this idea of still this idyllic view, very colonial view, actually, of what life must be like in the country with, um, you know, kids outside climbing trees and the, the Huckleberry Finn type experience, right? Um, kids swimming in rivers and chasing, riding motorbikes and playing games and strong, sun-drenched, strong, the classic classic yep. Australian archetype. And I looked at him and said, mate, are you serious? I wish that were the case. But almost by definition, by our relative isolation and kids living on farms and they can't just walk down the street and have a game of cricket in the cul-de-sac. And it might be the case still in suburban Australia, less so in country Australia. And even, even more so now the grip of home delivery entertainment through xboxes and sony playstations it just it's it's killing that entire fabric yeah it is interesting because we do have the facilities it's amazing if we went out for a, an excursion one afternoon and looked at all the empty fields of uh, that are only filled up sometimes with organized sport but unorganized you know sport doesn't happen well they don't just go and play anymore no and so if you're hanging on to this game's ethos, you've got to find some avenue. So maybe academies and things like that. I mean, I think the state should fill that space. I think this, to your point look, about look, delivery. Look, there's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with the academies, and I hope I haven't offended anyone out there because the academies do it. Steve, absolute this is the internet. The problem... Someone's going to be offended. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not on social media, um, you know. 
I got trolled once and uh, that was enough, you know. <laughs> um, the, the issue here is that certain people, a certain percentage of the population may be interested in a particular sport. And soccer is one sport in, in 2021, which is not engaging enough with individuals who haven't got the money to play soccer. It's pricing itself out a, a little more. Sure. In which case schools should be filling that? Well, Kids have got to go to school and that's already well, paid for. Why well, aren't they delivering well, it? Well, my kids play for the Western Suburbs Australian Rules Football Club. Um, registration is practically covered by the $100 voucher that you get. Mm -hmm. Sure, you don't keep your shirt at the end of... Um, at, at, at the end of the season there, but you get quality training, you get a field, you get the social interaction, fields may be a little uh, crowded, um, but you play a game on the weekend. And, and AFL, AFL has been a little more successful at engaging with diverse populations, economically I mean, mm. uh, more so than, than, than soccer. Mm. And I think that's a bit of a problem. Yeah, well, they've, they've earned the right to be able to engage people on economic terms because they're funded by a billion-dollar television contract, which, which came for a whole pile of reasons, principally because they organise themselves very well. But make no mistake, right, if, if Aussie Rules was an international sport and the AFL head office had nine national teams to fly around different tournaments, costing them how many millions of dollars a year, um, and they had... 3 million participants in Australia to coach and access and engage, and they were doing it on soccer's television broadcast money, see how good they are then. So money changes all this stuff, right? And I get, um, we all love football and we're all angry about some of the things that, that football in Australia has to deal with and some of the positions in which it's put itself. A lot of it's self-inflicted. But the fact of the matter is you can't, you can, comparing apples with oranges on these terms is ridiculous. I mean, the Aussie rules um, wants to thank its lucky stars that it's not international. Um, it, it talks about I conquering think China. I think my lucky stars is not international. Well, I mean, sorry, sorry the Aussie rules people out there. But. Well, rugby league could be anything. The fact about Australia is that this, the more global a sport becomes, the less relevant we become. That's, I mean, you draw the graph. Those of us are in the numbers. They're just going different because it's a numbers game. And we've cut our available talent pool. I know we're talking about grassroots, but we've moved to this. We've cut our available talent pool through five major sports, really six, netball, yeah. cricket, and the four footy codes. 25 million people split around those six major sports. A lot of other sports, tennis, etc., trying to do what they can do. We don't have the money to, to fund all these to an international level. Right. In fact, the biggest funded sport, this is the irony of Australia, the biggest funded sport, uh, the most commercial sport in the country is not global at all. So we've got this entire um, financial resource going into a sport that doesn't take Australia anywhere internationally. Now, that's just a fact. You can say that's good or bad or whatever, but... But look, you're part of communities that you know, are there to promote, let's look at the example of Indigenous um, participation. Are you telling me that you're happy with the price of registration? No, fees for absolutely not. But Steve, the money's got to come from somewhere. I, I, what I don't think, 
apart from isolated examples, which I'm sure people listening will say, well, you should look, have a look in this backyard. Basically, I cannot see anywhere in Australia where anyone is gouging the game and making a million bucks out of it, right? I, believe, I know for a fact there are millions of dollars sitting in football accounts around the place uh, and, the, and, the, and the economic flow is blocked around the country because of politics here and this zone here and stashing money and whatever. But I don't know. Even people running academies, mate, they're not going to the Grand Prix in, in Paris on the back of their soccer exploits, right? The fact is things have got to be paid for. Grounds have got to be paid for. Equipment's got to be bought. If I'm running an academy uh, and I'm going to put coaches on that's going to attract people because, you know, okay, there are some star chasers there, but there are also people who just want some organised activity. Um, I'm going to put a coach on who's got some qualifications. They've had to pay to educate themselves. They now want a fee. That's not unreasonable, right? So somewhere along the line... Stuff's got to be paid for. And what happens in football in Australia for a whole pile of reasons over 120 years is that we haven't had the big television check of a billion dollars funding all this stuff. So, you know, yes, I'd rather football was free. What is the free avenue for football? or the Schools. Lessons? Schools. What have we done with it? That's where the game really needs to lift it. If, if the schools aren't going to do it, football's got to organise it because every kid goes to school. Well, should. 100%. Yeah, and, and you as a former PE teacher, do you think from when you were teaching PE to what you would see now, it's completely changed? Well, I've been out of the teaching game for a bit, but, you know, I, you, you socialise with family, friends who were kids, teenage kids, sporty kids, and again, this fires me up because these are sporty kids. Mm. And in our equivalent, they would have been playing great sport for their school on a Thursday afternoon yeah. or something. I don't know if that even exists anymore, Steve, in the cities. I can't see it in the country. So these sporty kids, and they've learned since their primary school, and it, it just eats away. It just sort of it slightly, a little bit flakes off. Yeah. The cynicism starts in. You know, you don't value this, why would I? And hence my comments about that snorkelling is just one reference point for the whole attitude to, well, it's sport afternoon. Instead of playing basketball against another school, um, just go home or go fishing oh uh, or the thing is you you talk about tables when did the ATAR table come in for schools well that's obviously been detrimental to you know uh, subjects which are, are not part of um, university well, because, entry and yeah. you know that that in itself the highest like I identify like I remember James Roots always gets the number one school mm -hmm. I remember when it's I front page news now when it comes out I was mm -hmm. when I was a kid we used to play sport against them mm -hmm. you know uh, for my first four years before mm -hmm. I was yeah, outside, yeah. yeah and they were in our zone they don't play sport now right and um Fort Street, where you went. Well, Fort Street, Sydney boys, North Sydney girls, all of those schools had proud sporting traditions. Now, you know, people may be listening to us and saying, well, isn't an academic pursuit, you know, getting into your university more important than... But we're than saying, we're saying healthy body will enhance your mind to get into university. Well, That's the link that we're not arguing. We're but saying that if you have more academic stuff, it doesn't mean you take away from the sporting yeah, stuff. Yeah. And the correlation between somebody who is, you know, don't look at me now, but somebody who's fit, somebody who's healthy, mm -hmm. um, is someone who concentrates more, is a, is a clearer thinker, and, you know, obviously going to perform better. 
But we don't have that, uh, you know. We that's we, a basic. That's a non-arguable argument against. Unless you're being completely corrupted by this high stakes testing mentality that my son and daughter have to go to this particular school and the only thing that really counts, both for students, parents, and unfortunately, the schools is success in the high stakes testing. But because nobody cares if you went to North Sydney Girls and you know, your, your school had the best, you know, tennis team and netball team, but they are concerned when you're not at the top of the academic So, so where is, I, I can understand how people who didn't fit that mould might have reacted against it, but where has sport lost that traction? Why well, did sport lose that traction? It's lo lost its traction because as a society, we made a decision to emphasise it less. Um, we had a situation where... Why would we do that? If we think it's so beneficial to health, why would we emphasise it less? What spooked people? Well, enough, all of the reasons we've mentioned today, right, including people that had negative experiences, um, the government pulling away from promoting it in the school system and subsidising it, um, but also simple things like principals no longer have to demonstrate in their performance reviews extracurricular activities that mm. they've put it put on. Mm. It's it's a lot, and if you do, if you are part of a school which values sport, it sometimes, and I'm not saying all the time here, values sport at the elite level. Um, the Haberfield High School is, is the best school in the inner west because we have the best women's and men's soccer team. Mm. So you go out and poach, you know, the best players in the area and you use that as a marketing tool. Mm. Which, And you're not worried about the bottom because ultimately you want parents to bring your kids into your school and you market your school in that respect. But that's not... Would you say that's happening in, in government schools? It's happening with private schools. Well, it, well it's happening in... Well, the, gov the government schools are also governed by the results of the school, a high-stakes testing. But if they in want to... NAPLAND and the AGC... I, I get that. I get that. But that doesn't come into sport. I mean, you know, you look at... Well, that impacts sport because the time of the teacher is spent focusing on that mm -hmm. and the... To, you know, the cost of sport. Mm. There's no real reward for mm. it. For it, but but the, but you're now governed by public tables. You can tap onto a school there and have a look at look at its ranking. Mm. So what we're saying is we've lost our way as a society. Our our thought processes have lost our way. Our parenting, our generation of parents, uh, have lost the value of that because we're focused on the identity that edu it's not really education, it's a result, <laughs> um, is, is important. And it maybe all gets back to, well, what, what is my kid going to earn in the end of totally. the day? That, they've got to be at the top of the tree to get the best job because that's what motivates everything. But, but then we get back into the whole thing, well, well what, at the end of life... People aren't asking that question, mate. Yeah. 
We're in when they're in the at the furnace. They're not they're not asking that question at the yeah. end of life. What's a happy oh, yeah, life? At the end at the end of their life. Yeah, they what, are. what's a happy life? And we're going to have a hell of a lot of people go. I don't oh. know how many people actually want to sit down and but, ask that question. But, but to make well, this, I think it's one we should. To yeah. make this even more ridiculous, we're actually not doing better academically. We're yeah. actually declining. Yes. You know, so. We can't even do that better. We can't even turn around and say, you know what? Yeah. We've sacrificed sport, but look at the results. The results are, you know, spiral going out of control, out of the planet. We're actually, you know, a little bit behind Kazakhstan and, and, and these places. That's a great well, we, point. That's it's infuriating point. to me, but our, our statistics in respect to our health is declining rapidly. So, so if, you were, if, you, if you were on the school system, let's finish it on this one for number two. If you, if you could get control of the school system and let's presuppose one of the things you'd do would be reinstitute sport, reinstitute the Physique. games, the yeah. games ethos and athleticism, what would that look like? Look, there was a guy called John Dewey and um, I'm not expecting you to go out and read this book because... Um, he was in the footnotes of Dostoevsky, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> no, he was one of the great... Um, you know, educationalists, American educa educationalists. And he, you know, he said that ed education should be a process that aids democracy. So everybody should have the same opportunities. And, and there are certain things that should be valued in the educational system. And one of those for him was the, the physical stuff that actually you can learn so much more by you know getting students doing physical type of um, education so very simply to answer your question it should be re not institutionalized it should be re-mandated there should be a situation there where you start off at kindergarten and perhaps get to year 10 where a certain part of your academic week is spent on physical education slash sports. Well, there are certain schools that do mandate it, but let's just say year 10. There are certain schools that actually say sport is compulsory because we actually understand the correlation yeah. between yeah. the two and also market. But let's go back. So mandated across the sport and then the big trick there is to make sure that you're able to engage with Andy Harper, which is very easy to do, because you're a, an, a good athlete. Uh, engage with Craig because he's got a real interest in it. He's not that good, but he's got an interest in it. But let's get to people like Steve who are a little bit overweight, um, maybe have a disability or an injury. How are we going to give them something that's meaningful as well to create for them a relationship without, yeah. you know, making it boring for you? Can you do it? Can you do it without sport specific, sport trained educators? New South Wales doesn't have phys ed teachers in primary school as a general rule. Some schools might do it with special funding from the PNC. Private schools would do it, but you know, my, my, can you do it without sports my, my theory has always been and, and will always be this, that you want the best and brightest people in society to be teaching your kids. Like that can never be negotiated, but that's not the case in our society. A clever Andy Harper, because you're a clever guy, right? Well, 
<laughs> you are now. You were going so well. But, but, but in 19... 1980- you just looked at his face where he was at. I saw that because he was actually believing you. <laughs> I saw you going... I was in love. This was guy. like Valentine's Day. It's finally. It's we, we were in the Marconi dressing rooms and this is another complete segue there. I had just come into Marconi there and I lasted about five minutes, but I, I took Vince Caligiuri's old... Um, Locker, some of you may have known him, he played in the cell, actually teaching his daughter now at the mm. university. Anyway, I took his lo- locker and I'm reading the book and we were never friends, you know, I tolerated him and we spoke and that kind of stuff. And he goes, hey guys, look at Blocker. He's reading a book called The Idiot. You know, it's based on his life. And everyone else started laughing. <laughs> you know? Well, that was low hanging fruit, mate. Yeah. Uh... Anyway, you're a clever teacher. Right, you're a great PE teacher, great sport teacher, but if I got you to teach art, you would be smart enough to understand how to engage with the students. Well, it's funny you should mention that because you're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) When I was teaching, um, I was one of these, you know, every now and again, you got given a class because there was a shortfall in the Mm. timetable and you Mm. needed to build up your load. And regrettably, I'm sure from the school's viewpoint, I was given a year eight art class and your theory doesn't work. <laughs> oh, it was hopeless. And the poor kids, you know, how do you mix this colour? Well, Google <laughs> didn't exist back then. I had no idea. Just a couple of quick points yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. I've been involved in lots of um, community coaching and stuff like that. Teachers are always the best coaches. I like that's that's non-negotiable. Well, John Wooden was one of the greatest coaches of all time. Mm. Basketball, famous basketball coach, mm. came from a teaching background. Yeah. Yeah. And then our best teachers from the University of Sydney are not the, the ones that are talented in it, but are the ones that have had the negative experiences because yeah, right, right, right. they're able to understand right. why they had a negative experience, mm. whereas the, the elite athletes have never had um, failure. Mm. Mm. And, and they don't get it and they, and they cater to the elite. Mm. Um, interesting you should say that because um, what was the last point you made? Not the elite, the one before that. The smart teachers. You want smart teachers. Who are the best so, teachers? So you'll remember this because I'm sure you will. Throughout my whole career as a player for what it was worth, one of the phrases which rang loud and constantly was that guy's a hopeless coach, he's just a school teacher, what would he know? Mm. This culture in football is only now starting to be worked out, worked out of the game. That teaching uh, is coaching and coaching is teachers. For God's sake, people can go and do a a bachelor's degree in education, um, but they're not good enough to have a group of kids and show them around a field, but someone who goes and does a two weekend sea license courses all of a sudden, do we know the Japs get it? Uh, the, and the South Americans get it. The Central and Eastern Europeans get it. The Americans get it. We don't here until now. So now we've got Trevor Morgan, who's the yeah. technical director. And he's a phys ed teacher. And he's from Westfield Sports. He's a school teacher, right? And for some reason in our game in Australia, there's just been arrogance. There's been this arrogance. Oh, he's not a football person. He's not a football person. I hate hearing that. Or yeah. he's never played for he's, Australia. Or he's never oh. played. Or what would this person know? Yeah. And uh, what would they know? Well, they've spent four years studying how to how to 
show people how to do things. Surely that counts. And it's actually, We've got to get rid of this. Yeah, but Hans, it's, it's really interesting what you say too, because I think a number of coaches that I've worked with in the professional sense are limited by their absence of education. Yeah, right. Uh, because they've had nothing except be a player. And then and the institution of the dressing room and the... Yeah, so, so what happens, their critical thinking skills, uh, and please don't take this because there are some intelligent players that have self-educated. So mm. I've seen that happen as, as well. I, I doesn't might have, not need to be formal education. Um, but come on, let's face it. I, I don't accept uh, that the coaching courses qualify people to be coaches mm. because I am also well-versed in understanding that you know, even at the highest level of licenses, that some of that assessment is what I would say would not pass yeah. at a university. Mm, mm. So, yeah, in other cultures, they have, well, Sydney University's got the Master of Coaching now, but you can do... Well, look at the Portuguese system. Well, you do your phys ed with coaching yeah. and you come out a degree-educated, degree-qualified coach. I mean, what this this is there. Why are we waiting, like, in Australia... The football community is is so arrogant and so oh. parochial, so tribal, so divided, and so opinionated on this sort of stuff. Like the you, rest you of gotta the... love the, or they're not really a football. Is oh, football yeah. that difficult to <laughs> comprehend and understand? Oh, yeah. Because yeah. the thing is, yeah. it's it's a it's a frightening. Com- and I mean, we can talk about that because the arrogance, mm. uh, and arrogance comes stems from insecurity. I think. And, uh, and I think a lot of what we're talking about here is ego. Uh, so I think it's ego of parents yep. wanting their kid, they living through their kid as an identity that they're a lawyer, a doctor or whatever, or the other one, oh, they're a professional athlete. They, we have to find kids, well, they have to have the opportunity about what they want. Mm. And I think it's no, are we really surprised when elite athletes have a hard time when they retire? Wow. Are we really, like, do we think, are we really surprised? They've had no grounding in life and then now they've got nothing. And they've been told, you know, the sun shines out of their backside forever. By people that are yeah. just an echo Sick chamber. Yeah, 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 yeah. Even yeah. when it doesn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we it's just, a big crash. We've seen it a fair bit. We've all seen it. We, but we create it. Hmm. They create it. Everyone around them creates it. So we should throw sport out. No. <laughs> no, we shouldn't. No, I mean, let's get, let's get back. To, I mean, I think this comes down that sport in this day and age, we need it more than ever. If we combine sport and physics, mm. if we're combining that, the games, the games theory. Mm. Okay, we're, so we're combining that together. It need, we need it more than ever mm. on the basis of, of the philosophies that we've learned through history. Healthy mind, healthy body. Mm. And tellingly, let's finish it here, but Steve's line about we've disengaged the education system from the sport, we've decoupled them in, in the thought that we'll put more emphasis on academics and and we'll we'll hit the stars and actually the, the graph's going the other way. Yeah. So we've succeeded in actually turning the dial off sport and dumbing down the kids at the same time. Kudos to that us. That reminds me of what the Dutch did to our football. <laughs> No, well, they thought they were technically and tactically not good enough. And as one technical director said to me, in Australia, you don't play football, you play fight ball. I'll never forget the conversation. Um, and, and what he did was turn the dial in the curriculum down on our physical prowess, which was our strong point, our strong point 
And are we tactically and technically better? Maybe a little bit, but never, never to hit the world stage. So why would you turn one off to, mm. to gain the other? Mm. So education wow. sounds very similar. Well, it emerged from education. You look at all the sport that came out of education and we've taken it somewhere else. And, and we wonder why it's so problematic in our society. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, okay. Steve. Thanks for being a part of this. Uh, no, thank you. Thanks for listening and we hope you enjoyed this episode. Please contact us if you have any questions or feedback.